Biblical faith is aggressively inclusive, even internationalist. The community of faith are a company of men and women who have a passion for crossing boundaries of language, boundaries of race, geography, boundaries of social class, cultural issues, economic and educational issues. In a world of racism and nationalism and isolationism, in a world of Brexit, migration, culture wars, biblical faith shows that there is no place and there is no person on earth that is not included in God's plan and purpose. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him. That's John 3.16. And it, it's an explicit thing of God loving the entire world and everything that's in it. Now today, as we pursue Jeremiah, we continue with the last section. We're coming in to the last portion of the book of Jeremiah. And we're going to look at a whole chunk today between chapter 46 and 51. And it ends at the end of chapter 51 with, in verse 64, these words. The words of Jeremiah end here, full stop. But in that section of chapter 46 to 51, Jeremiah addresses the nations that surround Israel. Um, we'll look at it in more detail in a minute, but it's Egypt, the Philistines, the Moabites, the Ammonites, the Syrians, the Babylonians, and so on. There's about 10 nations that he addresses in the process of looking at um, what's happening around Israel. Now, when we talk about a global village, it has little to do with the drive of human curiosity to explore it's not much to do with the new internet age as it has been over the last 10 or 15 years. It's not recent and it's not original. The whole concept of a global village is rooted in the reality of faith in God, in who God actually is in and of himself and how he's made the world. It's not media that's given us the global village. It's the missionary, if you like. And when we look back, Jonah, if you go right back into that period of the 8th century before Christ, where God calls Jonah to go to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh is what would be in current northern Iraq, um, literally across the river Euphrates from the city of Mosul, as it is now today. And he calls Jonah to go there to pronounce his message. And so you have Jeremiah, and in the early stages of us looking through Jeremiah in chapter 1 verse 5, where God's call comes to Jeremiah, he says to Jeremiah in the initial statement, he says, see I have appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now it's the plural, it's the nations, the goyim in, in Hebrew, it's those who are across the border, it's those who are other than you and I, it's the foreigner the people who are different, aliens, exiles, even migrants. Those are the ones that Jeremiah is called to, not just to the nation of Israel, but to all the nations. That's intrinsic in his calling. It's also intrinsic in our calling as followers of Jesus. See, Jeremiah is not just appointed to the Hebrews, but he's not just appointed as a chaplain to the court 
or the people of Judah. His title is a prophet to the nations. And it's a deliberate rejection, I think, of a life of faith that is identified with a single group, with a particular culture, a homogenous spirituality, if you like. Our task as Christians is to grow into a healthy relationship with all of God's creation and all of God's people. And God is the largest part of that reality. Now, if we understand God as only being local, if, if God is mine, if we own him in that sense, then he becomes like a tribal deity. And I believe that that's a misunderstanding of who God is. And our lives are then reduced and made so much smaller than they ought to be. Jeremiah battled against that small-minded religion all of his life. He attacked the tendency constantly to make the temple or the religious life of Israel a cozy place that's for us and no more. And he worked hard to show Israel that not only were they the people of God, but that God was interested with all the people around them. In fact, Israel's calling in the early days was to be a light to the nations. And the life, of in, the life of faith for Israel and for us as the followers of Jesus is to be an inclusive community worldwide, to be embracing of everybody that there is. The strange, the different, the other. People who are not like us. And biblical faith has always had this global dimension. Uh, just a quick thought. In Acts chapter 2, when you have the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost, it's explicit that they mention all the different places that people had come from and how God uh, intentionally speaks to all of those in their own language. And it goes all the way back to Abraham. If you go into Genesis chapter 12, in the first two or three verses where God calls Abraham, and at the end of it it says, and in you all the peoples, all the families of the earth will be blessed. There is inherent in Abraham's calling at the base level in Israel's history is to be a blessing. God uses them as a conduit, a means, if you like, of reaching all these other nations. They are the ones who pull it into themselves and keep it to themselves and become an insular community. Jeremiah's task and what we're looking at today is how constantly God is trying to say to them, it's not just you. This is not just for your holy huddle. This is for you to be a light. There's a reason for this. And so God chose Israel out of the nations and gave them a distinctive history, a task like us. But God has always been interested in the other nations. And if we look in Amos 9 verse 7, he talks about how God is the one who brought um, uh, the Israelites up. And he talks about the Ethiopians in Revelation and so many other passages. We won't go into all of that now. But God is not geographically restricted to a small piece of earth as far as the Israelites are concerned. Or a small group of people in terms of the church. His, his vista is through the whole earth. His mercy extends to every single human being on the planet. We are the ones 
in our desire to make things comfortable for ourselves, who reduce that reality to what we feel we can cope with, what we can control, and what makes us feel unthreatened. And we create a world of insiders and outsiders. We want to be around people who are like us and we can feel secure with. We get our buddies together and we sing our songs that we like and the language that we all talk and we do the things that we all understand. It's safe and comfortable. But it's also meaningless to a large extent because there's no danger in that. The smaller our world, the easier to run life on our own terms and to manage people and things and life in general with us at the center of it. The larger our world, the more difficult it is to keep in control and the more we have to trust God, the more we have to lean on Him, the more we are thrown back on His grace and His mercy and His goodness. But we need to remember again and again, it's God's world and He rules it. And our wholeness, our maturity comes from participating in what God is doing not manipulating things so that we can manage it for ourselves. The Bible, as I said in the beginning, is completely opposed to isolationism. We are an inclusive people. And here's Jeremiah. He's been called a prophet to the nations. The interesting thing is that he essentially probably only leaves Jerusalem's area and Anathoth where he grew up only once, which is at the end of his life, when he is taken unwillingly down to Egypt at the end of his life, which, we, which you would see at the end of chapter 51 in Jeremiah. So how did he get to be a prophet to the nations when uh, he was basically in Jerusalem nearly all of his life? Because he composes oracles, as they're called, to ten different nations. Egypt to the far south and west of Jerusalem the Philistines, which were to the sea and down south, the Moabites, Ammonites, and Edomites, which were to the east and to the south of Israel, and then even further afield, places like Damascus, which is Syria, to the north, and going through the others to the Elamites and the Babylonians, which were far to the east. There's this broad area, a huge geographic range of probably two million square kilometers that he's speaking to. And just in and of itself, that's impressive that he is um, never leaving home, but he understands in detail what's going on. And he has something to say from God's perspective to all of those different nations. We don't really know how they were delivered, except for the one that was delivered to the Babylonians, which you can read if you read the section between chapter 46 and 51. But we do know this that they were all carefully prepared and accurately delivered. John Bright, who has an incredibly good commentary, um, and I was reading this the other day, he says, um, it is probable that of all parts of the book, talking about the book of Jeremiah, the oracles against foreign nations are the least frequently read. So what happens often is people get to this and they think, oh, this is just Jeremiah speaking against these various nations. And I... Last night, when everything was quiet, just sat and read through these five or six chapters, just in a spread. And he goes on to say this, But whatever the reasons for this neglect may be, it is nevertheless a pity, 
if only because these chapters contain some of the finest poetry in the entire prophetic canon. The reading of these passages is like reading the finest literature. These are not second-rate works, is what I'm trying to say and what I think Bright is saying. These, these are carefully measured. This is, this is intensely um, pertinent to each of these different na nations. And the point that I'm trying to make is that these were not despised foreigners. Jeremiah took as much care about what he was writing and understanding what God was saying to these different nations and proclaiming God's word to them as he did to his own people in Jerusalem and the area. He, he cares enough to be detailed. And we expect him in many respects. He, he's God's prophet. We expect him to be careful about what he says and to respect what God is saying. But he cares as much for his own people, or I should say this, he cares as much for the other people around as he does for his own people. He had extraordinary knowledge of their politics and their geography, uh, the details of life, and he spoke God's word to them in relation to their actual conditions that were on the ground. No stereotypes, no formulas, um, each one uniquely addressed by God. It made me think, just as an aside, that, that we need to take that kind of detailed approach to those who are outside our own boundaries and borders, to our neighbors. Anyway, Jeremiah was a prophet, and it didn't matter to whom he spoke, whether it was in a passing acquaintance, old friends, or people, or people he would never see. He was a prophet who took God seriously, he took the people that he addressed seriously, and he took his calling and his task seriously. Now, a large portion of what he had to say, the content of his messages, were virtually the same as the ones that he preached to Israel. There was a warning of judgment that will be a way that points to a salvation. That broad outline is the same message that he has for Israel as for these other ten nations. And so Egypt is promised judgment, but he's, they also promised salvation. Jeremiah 46 starts out with um, Memphis being laid to waste. But there's later a sense of resurrection, a however, a yet. The same with Moab. There's a lamentation and a mourning for the fact that God is going to lay waste to the way that they have been behaving. But the last word in chapter 48 about Moab is this. Yet I will restore the fortunes of Moab, says the Lord. God is concerned about Moab. He's concerned about Egypt. The same is said of the Ammonites and the Elamites. The same is said in chapter 50 uh, onwards, 51, about the Babylonians. God is intensely concerned about what's happening all over the world, is what Jeremiah is saying. Yes, there is judgment. There is judgment for all of these situations. And there is always, though, this question of yet and the sense of open door that if they repent, there will be salvation. And it takes us back to a large extent to, to Jonah the prophet, again, who went to Nineveh reluctantly because it was uncomfortable. It was outside of his orbit of experience. And yet God, when they repent, God saves the whole people. And Jonah gets really upset with them because how can God be 
caring for and being graceful to all these people who are way outside the borders of Israel. What Jeremiah is reminding people, probably 150, 200 years later after, after Jonah, we're not exactly sure, but certainly he's, he's saying the same thing. He's saying he's been appointed as a prophet to the nations. Go into all the world and make disciples. It's indiscriminate. We are called to reach beyond our little holy huddle and bring good news to whoever we come into contact with. So, judgment is there for all these nations. But there is always this line that is yet. Yet, if they repent, there would be the salvation of God. There is the hope that is hung there, that is real, and it's evident, like with Nineveh, when they repented under Jonah. Salvation is there for everyone. That's what God has in store. When Jesus comes, um, he stands in our place, and the judgment of God is, is dealt with in that sense. And there is not one people or one people or person on the earth. So all the nations of the earth, whether they are Egyptians or Babylonians or Philistines or Syrians, whether they are uh, Russians or Chinese or Americans or people in the United Kingdom, all languages of the earth, English and French, um, Italian and Russian, all religious groupings on the earth, whether they are Catholics or Methodists or Pentecostals or whether they are Muslims, Hindus, New Ages or agnostics. And all types of people from the poor to the illiterate to those with all kinds of sexual orientation. In other words, you get what I'm saying. It doesn't matter who you are on the face of the earth. For God so loved the world. His care and his concern extends to everybody and his people. Those who shine his light and are, are his voice in this world are to reach beyond themselves and bring that good news to everyone. We tend to want to be insiders. We tend to want to hold things to ourselves. And we are very often um, more comfortable just being with people that we like. But the gospel doesn't belong to one country or one people. It belongs to every person and every nation. And reaching out is part of what it means to be whole. We cannot really be healthy, growing, maturing individuals if we are not reaching beyond ourselves with this good news, with the message that God has. And it's not only good news for them, it's healthy and good news for us as well. Crossing boundaries, extending our horizons, is all what it means. It's, it's all part of what it means to be one of God's children, to be emissaries, to be prophets in this current age. We cannot be whole if we are enclosed in our own little world, even if it's a pious little world. We cannot grow to maturity if we are confined to our holy huddle, even if it's a neatly organized religious holy huddle. In other words, as someone has once said, you cannot grow an oak tree in a barrel. It needs loads of earth underneath it and a broad sky above it. If you don't have, if, it, if an oak tree doesn't grow in those conditions, you end up with a bonsai, which is cute but pretty useless.
And we can't grow as human beings in a narrow, confined world. The larger our world, the larger we develop. And part of Jeremiah's stature as a person, as a follower of God, was his concern for the Elamites and the Syrians, was his concern for the Egyptians and the Babylonians, who, let's not forget, were the ones who were constantly beating down the walls of Jerusalem and who actually ended up taking them into exile. If we cut ourselves off from the world that God has created, if we, um, if we don't engage with where God is working around us, we can't be well, we can't be healthy, we can't work out our salvation. We live in a large reality. And so let me end off with Luke chapter 10. It's a fascinating passage, and you know it exceptionally well. There's this mosaic lawyer, a, a man who has spent his life learning and understanding and applying the law of Moses. And he comes to Jesus and he asks this question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It's Luke chapter 10. And Jesus says to him essentially, well, you're the one who's done all this reading and you're the one who knows. How do you read it? And he says, well, you must love God completely and you must love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. My paraphrase. And Jesus says, bingo, right on the button. You got it right. Well done. Now go and do it. And wishing to justify himself, which is interesting in itself, that little statement, he then asks this question, and who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells a parable which we call the so-called good, good, good Samaritan, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And in essence, this parable is a slap in the face of the descendants of Abraham, of the lawyer who is the expert in the law of Moses, who were listening. Because it's the outsider, the Samaritan, who actually understands what God is about. And he reaches beyond his social and um, all the other barriers that were there to extend the love that was necessary to a man who's broken on the side of the road. The priest and the Levite, the so-called spiritual and holy people, had walked by on the other side. And what Jesus is saying is, that's what we're looking for. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus. For God so loved the world, not your world, but the whole world. All those people who look so totally different to you. And so let me end off by saying exactly what I said right at the beginning of this talk. Biblical faith is aggressively inclusive and even internationalist, if you like. The community of faith, the church, is a company of men and women who have a passion for crossing boundaries. Boundaries of language and race, boundaries of geography, boundaries of social, class, cultural issues, economic and educational issues. Biblical faith shows us that there is no place and no person on the entire earth who is excluded from God's plan and God's purpose. That's how we should be as his followers. For God so loved the world.